0: Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons, and I'm joined today by co host Doug Wortham. We're over at the State Capitol and we've done a couple of shows and today's show is gonna be our annual year in review show, where we meet with the Minnesota National Guard and the Minneapolis VA healthcare system uh, to take a look at twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. But first it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Brad Lindsey.
1: The Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs has a long history of awarding service bonuses to Minnesota veterans who served in America's wars. Starting in 1919, after World War I, through World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War, Persian Gulf War, and now the Global War on Terrorism, MDVA recognizes the sacrifices and courage Minnesotans took to defend our country. Minnesota veterans who served sometime between September 11, 2001 and August 30, 2021 may be eligible for a post-9-11 service bonus. To date, more than 20,000 Minnesota veterans who served in the Global War on Terrorism have already received bonuses. There is still plenty of money available, and we encourage eligible veterans to apply today as the bonuses are paid on a first-come, first-served basis. To apply, visit minnesotaveteran.org slash service
0: calls. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. As I said at the opening, this is our uh, annual Urine review show where we talk to the Minnesota National Guard and the Minneapolis VA Healthcare system. And joining us now is uh, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General John Manke, Uh, General, welcome back. It seems like we just did this a few months ago, but a whole year's passed. Hey, Tom. Hey, it's good to be here again. And you're absolutely right. 2023 was a great year for the
2: Minnesota National Guard, and we're optimistic and looking forward to 2024 as well.
0: And, sir, uh, as we've seen and heard, uh, Brad Lindsay was just appointed as uh, the permanent commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. A lot of things can change inside of a year, can't they? Absolutely. You
2: know, and I I told Brad, you know, he's been the acting commissioner for a while, and and now he's a commissioner. But, uh, you know, you could see the smile on his face. He's ready to get after it and and keep doing what he's doing. I'm looking forward to working with him.
0: And, sir, uh, that's going to come down to one of the the things we want to talk about and one of your priorities. It all comes down to people. And you take care of the, of the soldiers and airmen when they're serving. And after they're out of the service, uh, whether it's active duty, guard, reserve, if they live here in Minnesota, then the MDVA takes, Brad takes care of them after that. But it is all about people, isn't it? It is. And, you know, they are
2: clearly our most important resource. And, and we really can't do what we do without uh, people. and. Uh, That has been one of the strengths of the Minnesota National Guard, our ability to keep our formations full both on the Army and the Air Guard side. And uh, I'm extremely blessed that we have such a good recruiting team to get out there and bring this talent into the Minnesota National Guard. And then once we get them in the door, we focus on retention as well.
0: General, it seems to me, if you take a look at the numbers, the first four years that they serve in the military are the most costly for the military because you're taking civilians and you're turning them into warriors and treating them, teaching them how to do things. If you can keep those people in, and maybe stay for 20, uh, the return on investment it, it builds over that period of time.
2: A- absolutely, you know, and and I think you know we're we're blessed in Minnesota because we have uh, legislative support from from our, our legislators, and you know this last year we we got approval to. Uh, offer a state retention bonus, so uh, our soldiers and Airmen that re- are retained and re enlist for three or six years in the Minnesota National Guard, we're able to uh, offer them a bonus, and um, I think that's helped us with retention as well, and I think we're the only state of 50 in the four territories that has that uh, uh, re-enlistment bonus that we offer our soldiers in Airmen.
0: And it helps you keep up with uh, the turnover every year when you got about 10% of the force that's retiring, moving on, and you've still got you to fill in behind them. But if you can keep people, it's a great thing.
2: Yeah, you know, and I think I uh, I think I think the state of Minnesota values our soldiers and airmen. I mean, we were used heavily during uh, the pandemic. Uh, we were used heavily during civil unrest. And, you know, as we say, we're always there, we're always ready, always there, and uh, we've been used. And it's it's a way to keep our formations full, which allows us to do everything we're needed to do here locally, uh, within the state, and then in the nation, as well as uh, overseas when we deploy for federal missions.
0: in General, the governor told us last week that he values uh, that relationship and the Minnesota National Guard greatly. Uh, so you're you're telling the truth. He's he during the pandemic there was a lot of use. We need to move on a little bit, uh, uh, General, and. Uh, I want to talk about Norway. We had a great partnership with them for 50 years. Uh, that partnership has evolved now. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, and what a great, uh, what a great story that is, you know. And worked with the Home Guard commander, Major General Michelson, and and their Chief of Defense uh, General Kristofferson and General Holkinson, the the CNGB, and uh, we were able to officially sign a DOD state partnership program with Norway. Um, You know, we continue to have the relationship with the Home Guard, but this allows us to deepen and broaden the relationship uh, with their land component, so their Army and their air component, their Air Force, with our Air National Guard and Army National Guard, and uh, look for opportunities where we can partner and interoperable with each other and kind of learn from each other. Uh, You know, the the Norwegian Air Force has uh, F-35s and C-130Js. We have F-16s, and and we're getting C-130Js, right? Um, so it's an opportunity to learn from each other. Uh, you know, we sent uh, some key leaders over there last summer, and uh, Norway had some key leaders here this this fall, and we're looking forward to deepening and expanding that relationship while maintaining the relationship with the home guard.
0: And, General, you mentioned the C-130Js. Uh, our congressional delegation did a wonderful job to support us on that and, and get those C-130s upgraded. The old ones were getting a little long in the tooth.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, Tom, and, and, you know, this, this uh, Minnesota being selected to receive those aircraft will ensure the viability of the 133rd Airlift Wing for probably the next 30 years. I mean, like you said, our most of the C-130Hs that we have now are the oldest C-130Hs there. And, you know, I can't thank our, the relationship that we have and the partnership that we have with our Minnesota delegation, uh, you know, the two senators and all the representatives, as well as the governor, instrumental part in uh, getting that across the finish line.
0: And uh, General, I understand you got some new Blackhawks as well. We did. We fielded them some Victor model Blackhawks. And, you
2: know, the Army has been very good modernizing us. Uh, It's been a little bit more work uh, on the Air Force side to modernize the Air Guard. And that's why we had, uh, I think, more of a push from our congressional leaders. But, you know, as well as the... The Victor model Blackhawks, we also are receiving a bunch of JLTVs, a new replacement to the Humvee, over 300 of them. And if you look at those compared to Humvee, it's quite the vehicle. They're brand new. You actually get in them, it smells like a new car. It's incredible.
0: <laughs> new car. And you've got some new Bradleys, and uh, you're training on some new Paladins. For an Air Force guy, can you explain Paladin to me?
2: Yeah, so a Paladin is a, it, it, it's a vehicle that looks like a tank, but it shoots artillery shells. So 155 millimeter artillery shells, uh, so you can maneuver it around the, the maneuver space a lot easier than you can with a towed artillery tube that goes behind a truck, and then you have to dismount it from the trunk to be to, uh, to able to employ it, and this keeps it moving. Kind of like a mobile howitzer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is, Tom, a mobile howitzer. Okay.
0: Did
3: you just think of that on your own? Yeah, I that thought was of good. That.
0: I've, I've been talking to this, the soldier side of this deal yeah, for four, almost fourteen years, so I've learned some of these yeah, things. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> General, General <laughs> yeah. we got about uh, two minutes left in this segment, but I understand you had some uh, big wins in terms of funding as well. We did,
2: you know. Uh, and, and again, back to our state legislature. Um, uh, very supportive and I think appreciative of, of the value that the Minnesota National Guard brings to the state of Minnesota and so we got some funding for our, our a cyber coordination cell and uh, this cell will be able to operate with uh, MNIT and and integrate uh, cyber defense, cyber security uh, kind of into the network here and kind of a liaison between uh, CISA, DOD w- within the state as well as uh, other opportunities and then we also receive funding for a holistic health and fitness team uh, so three Three soldiers that we will put on to help, uh, you know, look at the whole soldier, mind, body, soul, you know, physically fit, mentally fit, spiritually fit, and, uh, and and keep them training. And then, you know, for the physical stuff, we got seventeen over $17 million for a field hall, that so we're going to put at Arden Hills to train our... Army combat fitness tests, as well as other things that we need. You know, Minnesota this winter, not typical probably, but most winters. you look at last winter, the snow we had on the ground, we couldn't do what we needed to do before. Soldiers had to go to training without going to the U of M or something like that and, and doing all that coordination, as well as continuing to modernize our armories. So we've got some money to go in and upgrade Rosemont, Morehead, Mar- Marshall, and Fergus
0: Falls. General, I'm looking at your uh, organizational priorities, people, modernization, and partnerships. Sounds like he, you hit them all pretty well pretty well in 2023.
2: Yeah, it, and and it's it's Thomas the organization. I mean, I am blessed to work with great leaders and great soldiers and airmen, and they're really the ones uh, that do all the heavy lifting. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to be part of that team, and I'm I'm gracious for all those outstanding soldiers and airmen that we have on our team.
0: General, I have to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to turn the interview over to Sergeant Major Doug Wortham, and he wants to talk about 2024 and what's coming up. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons, with uh, my co-host, Doug Wortham. We're over in St. Paul today uh, recording a couple of shows, and we've been speaking to Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. And, Doug, we covered a lot of stuff. 2023 was a busy year, but I know there's a lot on the general's menu for 2024, and I'm excited to hear what you're going to find out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tom. And uh, General Mankey, again, thanks for uh, being here on the uh, program with us. Really appreciate it. You know, as you uh, were discussing in the last segment, you know, a lot of great things that the Minnesota National Guard is doing, successes both on the Army side, on on the Air Force side. Um, But as you know in the military in life in general you can you can look in the back that rear view mirror, but that windshield is wide open in front of you in twenty twenty four there 's still a lot of stuff going on inside the minnesota national guard isn 't there
2: uh, there absolutely is you know we 've got uh, federal deployments coming up uh, we 've got partnership activities with Croatia and norway uh, we 're fielding new equipment uh, we're we 're continuing to train soldiers uh, we 're actively recruiting and retaining our soldiers and airmen and uh, uh, no, no sleep for the weary, right? Uh, <laughs> right. keep the pedal to the floor and let's go. Uh, but I think there's a little bit more predictability in some of our training. Uh, you know, the, mo- as we modernize our army brigade combat team, uh, there's a lot of training going on with that. So, you know, we're, we're fielding, uh, we're going to field, the. uh, v- Version 4 M1 Abram tanks, brand-new tanks this year. Uh, you know, we're upgrading our Bradley fleet um, as well as, uh, you know, we just received a bunch of uh, new JLTVs. So that this year we'll focus on the training in that new equipment for the 1st Brigade. And then, uh, you know, our, our, our on-the-air side, um, the 133rd is just returned from a deployment to Djibouti, so they'll, they'll kind of reset uh, and then look forward to the modernization of their C-130Js, you know, making sure that we have the infrastructure in place over at the airlift wing and then uh, the 148th, you know, they're heavily trained. they got some significant exercises coming up uh, this, this spring and then uh, um, other stuff for them. And then our division headquarters uh, is uh, deploying to the Middle East, the 34th Infantry Division Red Bulls. Uh, we're going to send about 550 soldiers. Uh, they'll mobilize here first first part of February, uh, go down to Fort Cavazos in Texas and train for about a month, and then they will be Operation Spartan Shield, so in Kuwait, in the Middle East area, based out of Kuwait.
3: Yeah, I want to try to tackle some of these things individually. Um, You know, obviously we talked previously about just all of the things that have been going on inside the, uh, the Minnesota National Guard uh, deployments, support locally for civil unrest, et cetera, COVID. Uh, but the deployments never really stopped, meaning federal. Deployments, Correct. and so 2024 is going to be no different. You talk specifically about the division, uh, but there are uh, some other units as well that will uh, be rolling out. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit more about about the units and you know really what that mission is?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so in our 347th Regional Support Group, and and that's a unit that came back not too long ago from the Middle East as well. But within that organization, uh, there is a 247th Financial Management Support Detachment. Those soldiers take care of people's finance. You know, if you don't pay soldiers, they're not very happy. So, <laughs> jeez, uh, go figure, right? <laughs> you know, don't don't mess with the soldiers' pay and don't mess with their leave, which is their vacation, and yeah. they're pretty happy. You, you you mess with those two things, you're gonna have a you know you're gonna have a a tyranny on your hands. And then we get the 204th uh, Medical Company Area Support Group going over, uh, and they'll provide medical support to. Uh, two soldiers and airmen in the area, and then uh, the 1904th Acquisition Team. So the 1904th Acquisition Team, it's a small team, and uh, they'll go over and they'll do contracting services for the Title 10 forces that they're working for. So it could be anything from a dining facility con. Comp- for food to transportation contracts to move equipment needed to fuel logistics whatever the case may be they they specialize in contracting and, and there's a lot of stuff when you go to a foreign country that has to be contracted because it's a lot more economical than than logisticating it all the way back to the United States.
3: Yeah, so I think it's important, you know, that we just remind, of course, our audience, and they're very familiar with it, as are you, of course, that, you know, uh, things are still happening. Right. And and that's why it's so important to get the successes that we've talked about within the state legislature to provide um, training uh, facilities, uh, like the facility you talked about out of Arden Hills, because our, our soldiers, our airmen, they, they have to continue to train in all types of weather, be always ready, yeah. Uh, uh, always there.
2: Right, absolutely, yep. And uh, and we're blessed to be in a, a state uh, where, our, where our, you know, the, the people of Minnesota, I think, trust us uh, from our performance before, and that trust is very important to us because, uh, you know, one of my visionary statements is uh, being the most trusted force in the state of Minnesota because if we lose that trust, boy, it's really hard to get back.
0: Absolutely, it is. General, a quick question. We were talking about retention in yep. the first segment. When you're going back to the Middle East, which you've, your troops have been there many times, you're going to Croatia, you're going to Norway, your senior people, your officers and your NCOs have been there before. How important is that when you're sending young troops with them? Well, it, it's it's vitally important, Tom, and I
2: think, it, you know, it, it. You know we all look up to people. Um, you know, we all have a mentor of some type, and we might not call them a mentor, but there's someone we can talk to and get a little advice so it's someone who can maybe ease a little bit of the anxiety before they go Uh, so we have people that have done that people that can help these younger soldiers and airmen uh, you know through their first steps in country and then they will excel and you know by the end of the deployment there will be there will be veterans over there who are probably learning just as much from the young soldiers uh, or airmen that are over there as well because you hit the ground maybe a little slow at first but uh, you know everything moves pretty quick pretty fast
3: General, we know that uh, Minnesota has a very good reputation. You briefly touched on the success that uh, the Minnesota National Guard Army Air has had inside of recruiting and retention. Uh, Retention is a big thing, right? If you can save more people inside the organization, um, you know, long run, it it obviously saves money, saves time, right? Yeah. Um, What do you attribute really that retention success to? And then what are you
2: doing in 2024 to continue that success? Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks, thanks for the question, Sir Major. I, I think the one thing that we're really trying to do is educate soldiers and airmen to the benefits if you serve 20 years uh, in the military. The medical benefits alone with the cost of health care these days are tremendous. So we try to preach it's a long-run game. And, and, you know, we have soldiers and airmen that come to us and say, well, if I, if I wasn't drilling this week and I could make more money in my civilian job. And that may be true, but when you look at it long term, you know, they're going to have money in a— in like a 401k type investment account, which we call our, our thrift savings plan. And then if they do serve 20 years, they're going to be eligible for some type of pension, um, as well as the health care benefits. And and we try to sell that as a long-term thing and educate people. The other thing is, uh, you know, the camaraderie. Um, yeah. It's like being on a team. Um so we, we really, before soldiers do leave and every, you know, even if a soldier or airman serves for one term, I applaud them because uh, it's more than a lot of our nation does. Um, but if they leave, I say, hey, you know, leave on good terms uh, and maybe if you miss it, come back. And, and we're getting some soldiers and airmen that leave for whatever reason it may be and, and they come back. Well, but, as a retired, we want to keep them if we can.
3: Yeah, absolutely. As a retired uh, person from the great organization, the Minnesota National Guard, um, the health benefits in that retirement check are pretty nice, and it's consistent every month. And and so it is something absolute that people should plan for and think about. I, I do want to talk about some of the modernization, though. Um, I thought it was interesting. I'm looking at the 34th MP company. They're getting these m atvs and they're going to start training on these vehicles here in 2024
2: i think of an atv you know like a four-wheeler or a side-by-side is that what this thing is uh, so, so these are the actual the full term is it called the uh, mat v or mrap all-terrain vehicle and uh these are big trucks you know big tires on them uh armored uh and you know i've actually got a picture i know our listeners can't see it but you know, it, it, it's not a monster well. truck, but it's a pretty dang big <laughs> truck. Uh, and, uh, you know, the soldiers are fired up to get them. You know, it's like anything you get new. And, and that's the relevance of the Minnesota National yeah. Guard. You know, we, we, we have been able to modernize, and, and our soldiers and airmen are interoperable with, uh, with uh, their active component counterparts.
3: Well, General, I know that uh, under your, your leadership and the great team that you have, uh, the Minnesota National Guard will continue to lead the nation in, in many of the efforts, uh, which is a great testament to, to your leadership and those that you surround yourself with. Um, I just want to say thanks so much for joining us here on Minnesota Military Radio. I know we're going to get more updates throughout the year from you, and we look forward to having those conversations. But, uh, but thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to come
2: down and spend with us here. Thanks, Sergeant Major, and I'd like to wish all of our listeners uh, a a happy new year as we go through 2024. It's going to be a great year for the Minnesota National Guard, and and I want to wish everyone a happy new year.
0: Thank you, General, and all the best in 2024. Uh, This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to interview Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare Center. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. This is your host, Tom Lyons, and I'm here with uh, my co-host, Doug Wortham. We're over in St. Paul, where we've been recording a couple of year-in-review shows. And, uh, Doug, that was like old home week for you, uh, talking to uh, General Mankey. Yeah, it sure was. It's always great to be able to catch up
3: and, you know, hear how that organization's going. And, you know what, it's no surprise that they're doing great things and continue to do great things.
0: Well, and that's uh, when people are still serving, and and now there's another component besides the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs that takes care of veterans. But the Minneapolis VA takes care of veterans, and they've had a very, very busy year signing up a whole lot of new veterans because of the PACT Act. And joining us now to talk about that is Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. Director, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio.
4: Nice to see you, Tom. Sergeant Major, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, sir. So since I mentioned the PACT Act, I've been reading lately that uh, the last year or so has been uh, maybe the busiest time the VA's VA ever seen, with people filing claims, getting claims approved, and expanding the people that are eligible to come out to the Minneapolis VA healthcare system. To get to uh, get taken care of, yeah,
4: you know, it's one of the largest uh, expansion of benefits in, in many many years in, in the VA and for veterans, and so pretty significant effort over the last year in getting the word out to veterans, and so we've seen a ton of new veterans, and and you know more more healthcare, more benefits, handoff, increased uh, pensions. It, it's it's really something that veterans have rated really for years, and and full court process last year, and it's, it's really resulted in some good uh, extension of services and. You know, you remember, Tom, when we had the secretary out on, on your show previously, he he talked about how important this was nationally, and uh, it's it's paid off in Minnesota. A uh, lot of new veterans, a lot of new benefits. Uh, that was the intent. And, and, you know, it continues, but uh, it, it's not too late. If veterans want that toxic exposure screen, uh, that, that's going on. So they should, uh,
3: if you haven't had it, get it. And director, I just yeah. want to say real quick, and um, I, I signed up. And and I have my uh, appointment next week. And you know what? It was an easy process. So if people are worried about that, they shouldn't be. It's yeah. Just get on it and do it. And, and you guys have been great, not holding my hand the whole way, but holding my hand okay, along the way. Okay, <laughs>
0: I'm happy to hear that. And for our listeners, that means go to your county veteran service officer, start a claim, talk to the veteran service organizations. They can help you process that claim and document it. And uh, once that gets processed, then you get a chance to come out to the Minneapolis VA health system to get taken care of. And, Director, as I recall, uh, Secretary McDonough was talking about a really big issue. You and I talk about it a lot. That's hiring and staffing. How are you doing with all these new patients?
4: We're doing well. So, so you know, I never want to say we're done hiring because we are not. But uh, you know, the, the over the last year uh, in a competitive healthcare marketplace, we we have hired more people than we've ever had. So, so there are select groups that we're still you know in in rural Minnesota and other areas and locations and some specialties, but. Uh, you know, we've hired more nurses, a lot more nurses, uh, more doctors, a lot of technicians. Uh, again, you've been good enough to continue to feature that on your show, and, and we're still hiring, but but, uh, but it's been a good year for hiring.
0: And it's not just at the Minneapolis VA Medical Center. It's your outpatient clinics that are all over the state and a little over in Wisconsin, I understand.
4: So, so you know, ranging from the Boundary Waters up north in Ely to Albert Lee down south, and, and then we have four in western Wisconsin. So. Yeah, all, all those places have unique challenges on seeing veterans, and, and you know one of our initiatives is to really expand those services in those locations so veterans don't have to drive great distances to get health care. Uh,
0: so, Director, if any of our listeners are interested in applying for a job, what's the best way to, to access that information?
4: I would go to just Google Minneapolis VA, and then there's an easy connections to uh, USA Jobs or apply for jobs. Click on that, and it'll take you right where you need to go.
0: Very good, sir. I want to follow up now. We had a couple of tough years with the pandemic. We were wearing masks out at the medical center. We were doing all kinds of things. I was in there recently for my flu shot, and, of course, I got that in one arm, and I got the COVID shot in the other arm. Are we going to have to keep doing that every year, director? The, the, the shots or the, the double, masks? The double shots. I know the masks are gone. Oh, you but. know, I,
4: I, probably. You'll certainly do your flu shot every year, Tom. And I think with the COVID, um, I, I think it's likely. Uh, you need to get your RSV shot too, by the way, if you haven't done that. So there's there's all kinds of preventive measures that we encourage veterans to to do and to take. Uh, whether there's going to be a next COVID shot, I've I've had five uh, so far. Uh, whether we do this again next year and it becomes just sort of a booster annually, that is that is likely. Uh, we will of course let veterans know about that. But I but I encourage continue to encourage veterans to get those, and they're available by walk-in at the medical center. Uh, there's Anytime.
0: a walk-in shot clinic up yeah. on the fourth floor yeah. and went up there and there's a couple of nice nurses in there and they're, they're just ready to give you those <laughs> shots. And, but I got two, but they I didn't ask him about that third one. So we'll, we'll have to talk about that okay. after the show. So things have changed a little bit, but people can get in and out of the medical center now. We're not wearing masks anymore. and, and uh, But a good benefit of the pandemic is your your people, your doctors, your nurses, everybody learned how to do a lot more remote uh, work to take care of your patients.
4: Yeah, so so we still have uh, maybe 25 to 30% of our staff who are working, teleworking at least part of their schedule, and a lot of the appointments are still being done either via video or via telephone, and eh, it's veterans' preference or veterans' choice how they want to get their appointment done. A lot of veterans don't want to come into the medical center, especially if you live a ways away, you know, parking, traffic, you know, all those things. Uh, and, and so we we learned how to do that better. We, we've always done a lot of telehealth in the VA. That that part is not new to the VA. That was long before COVID. But but we really sort of enhanced that and made it easier for veterans. And we have, you know, pre-appointments where we can teach veterans how that works, and so that they're not fumbling around at the time of the appointment. So so yeah, a lot of telework, a lot of a uh, lot of face-to-face work still going on at the medical center. Uh,
0: so we learned and evolved. It's all it's we've all learned good. and evolved. Director, I understand you've got a new leadership academy.
4: You know, w- one of the things that we uh, have <clears throat> learned uh, is that many healthcare leaders in the private sector and in the federal government uh, uh, don't get the sort of training that our guard members and reserves and active duty service members get. You know, you come into the military, and you have a training pipeline. You know, you, you, you take progressively more responsible positions, and by the time you're a senior leader, you've got a lot of experience. You know, the sergeant major had a lot of experience before he became the sergeant major. Uh, it's not that way in, in, in federal health care or in, in the private sector. So, so we established what we're referring to as a, as a leadership academy, and we're sending all of our leaders through. It's a week-long program where we're trying to make them better, more experienced, more skilled leaders rather than just saying, hey, uh, doctor, uh, you've been a great doctor, and I'll be a great leader. Uh, It doesn't translate. They need the training. They need the help. So we started that this year, uh, and we're going to continue that into the future. But we have about 500 uh, leaders who will go through this academy. Uh, Two cohorts running it every week. Uh, Been a great success so far.
0: Very good, sir. Uh, I understand in August you opened up a specialty care clinic.
4: Yeah. You know, that's uh, part of our long-term effort, Tom, at converting our inpatient beds to single-bed rooms. And so we are taking services out of the hospital. So we built the specialty care uh, building this last year. going to build the Women's Health Center uh, next year. Women veterans are anxious to get that Women's Health Center built. Sure they are, sir. (laughs) (laughs) We've been waiting for that. And I said, I was telling, I I saw that last year on the show. I talked about our Women's Health Center. I said it would be open in March, or crack, crack ground in March. I didn't say which year, so, so it's gonna be, we are going to break ground this year on the Women's Health Center. That's an important thing for our women veterans. and so uh,
0: More and more women veterans all the time, and I'm sure they're going to feel a lot more comfortable when they get their own clinic and they can go in and out of there safely. But for today, we've talked about that before. If they're the least bit nervous about coming to the medical center, Call ahead. You'll have so you'll have another woman meet them at the door and yeah. get them to their appointments and make sure that they're taken well taken care
4: of. Yeah, and we have a dedicated women's health uh, section of our hospital now, but but this clinic will have its own drive-up. Will be much more uh, accessible for women coming in from the outside. So um, it's it's going to be a big improvement.
0: Very good, sir. We got about a minute left, but I understand you got the six million in funding in October to start the Rehabilitation and Engineering Center for Optimizing Veteran Engagement and Reinter- Reintegration, called RECOVER, an acronym. You know, We're going to use an acronym. Oh, RECOVER. you got to have an
4: acronym, Tom. And so <laughs> I, I, I don't know what RECOVER stood for. Thanks for that reminder, but uh, it's uh, a little bit long for me. What it is, though, and importantly, is that, you know, we have a lot of veterans who have uh, uh, rehabilitative needs related to their service, of course, but veterans who've, who've lost a leg or veterans who need some therapy related to uh, injuries. This is a center of excellence which does both research and then taking this into clinical practice in order that those veterans have even better services. So we, you know, we've had a spinal cord injury center, we've had a polytrauma center. This is really engaging a little more deeply in the research so that we can translate that into uh, clinical practice guidelines for all of our doctors.
0: Well, director, it's been a busy year, and I know you're going to have a busy year coming up. And we're going to cover that when we come back. We have to take a short break. We've been talking to Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host Tom Lyons. I'm with uh, my co-host Doug Wortham. We're over in Saint Paul recording a couple of year-in-review shows, and we've been talking to Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, and. Doug, you're a new patient out there. Uh, I think it's uh, one of the best facilities in the country, but I'm a little biased. I've been going out there for a lot of years, <laughs> and uh, they've taken good care of me. and And uh, I haven't. I have yet to meet an employee in there that isn't first class. And. I think you've had a pretty good experience, too.
3: I have, and uh, I think I've shared this before. Uh, I know I have with you, Director. You know, the first time I ever went out there was back uh, when I returned from the Gulf War. Um, So, you know, 1991, and what the VA looked like then, the way it just operated in the way it is today. I mean, what a world of difference. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I brag about the VA, uh, the care that I get out there, um, that we continue to get out there. Just great people, great doctors.
0: You should have seen it back in 1972. You wouldn't recognize it, but <laughs> director, well, I was still director. crawling
3: around on the floor. Then. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> so <laughs> director Kelly has <laughs> come
0: a long way. Uh, <laughs> Doug, we want to talk about 2024, and here's the future, so uh, please uh, carry on.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tom, and uh, Director. Uh, thanks for being uh, here with us in this makeshift studio. You know, in the last segment, you you were talking about the Leadership Academy, and I just want to come back to that really quick because I think that this is such an important thing. And um, as you mentioned, through military career, you know, we get a ton of, of training, leadership training, and what stuck to my mind as you were talking about that is, could you imagine what we would accomplish if everybody was trained to think and act like a leader? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing out there at the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. And that's so important because that helps to uh, shape and, and really form a culture that you want to have out there, and that is of service.
4: Yeah. So, so, you know, as you may know, Sergeant Major, we have a lot of veterans on our staff. And, and you know, they bring skills. That based on their training, that they can really sort of one, they understand the veterans' needs. Two, they've had that leadership training. They can sort of translate that into uh, the way we do our work. And so this is really geared for those that haven't had that. You know, how can they make? How can we make them more effective leaders? In order that we can serve veterans better. And so so this is a good start for us. I mean, you can't cover. You know, you've had thirty years worth of experience of training. You can't cover that in a week. But it's uh, it's something that we can do to introduce them to leadership uh, skills and abilities and then keep connected with them so they can yeah. sort of manage that when they go through their careers.
3: Yeah, and absolutely. And whether you have a direct report or not, you still have to lead yourself. And that's mm-hmm. why this development mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah. So, speaking of important, um, you mentioned uh, briefly about the community based outpatient clinics, and you said that you're trying to expand really care there so that veterans have the option to either go there if they don't want to drive the distance Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, Minneapolis or or St. Cloud. So, when you talk about adding specialty care, what kind of things? Do we have to look forward to, or have you already done, Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of support that?
4: Yeah. So, so we uh, in all of our clinics we have added physical therapy services. So, so what that's meant, for example, is rather than the primary care, the, the veteran having to see his primary care doctor and then scheduling his next appointment with physical therapy, physical therapist is in the clinic. There can be a warm handoff. They can get those services while they're there. A couple of other things we do, we do now are arthritis. Our, some of our rheumatology doctors uh, travel to the clinics. We are doing some orthopedic services in some of our clinics. Uh, we're doing eye exams, audiology exams. We're doing um, infusion for v- those, some of those veterans who have uh, a need for uh, cancer care services where we send nurses to those clinics. They can get their infusion in that community-based clinic rather than traveling to Minneapolis. You know, a lot of these veterans are sick. It's, it's hard traveling when you have cancer and you need infusions. And so our goal is to take it to them close to where they live so they don't have to come to us. Uh, and, and I'll highlight just one other. We, 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 we bought a mobile medical unit this year for homeless veterans. And so what that's meant is that, you know, the veterans who can't get to us, we drive this mobile medical unit. You know, we were at Dorothy Day recently. We, we take it to places where veterans are, so that they can get the services uh, without going through some extraordinary means of of transportation or other things. Uh,
3: We go to them. I think that just really, you know, brings the whole you know, taking care of and having this passion to care for our veterans mm-hmm. just to a whole new level when you're doing things like that, right? You're thinking outside the box, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. So,
4: so I think one of the things that I was new to me when I joined the VA 13 years ago now is that, uh, you know, it's about improving the lives of veterans. It's not episodic health care. It's not just taking care of their health, but it's suicide prevention programs and homelessness programs and it's work therapy programs. It's, it's a whole variety of services intended to make veterans more successful—that's that, that's our job, that's our mission, improving lives, not just healthcare.
3: When uh, we visited with the um, the governor and the uh, commissioner of Department of Veterans Affairs, one of the big initiatives has been, you know, suicide prevention. And recently, the Compact Act came out, which opens up some services to help um, support the prevention of of suicides. Can you tell us, you know, where are we at with the COMPACT Act and, you know, what does it look like moving forward? So just a
4: brief reminder to the listeners, you know, the COMPACT Act is is intended to uh, remove any barriers from veterans regardless of their status. And so this includes if veterans had a bad conduct discharge. It doesn't matter. We want the veteran who has a need to be seen. And if they get seen in a civilian hospital, uh, we're going to pay the bill. Um, it, it, we we want to. There's not going to be a financial barrier to them seeking help. So we've had a lot of veterans in, in the metro area uh, and it, uh, up in St. Louis County, uh, more specific uh, specifically, uh, who have taken advantage of this. And and again, these are veterans who otherwise wouldn't have sought care because they ha- they weren't eligible. They had a they had a they had a barrier to getting that care. So the Compact Act is about removing those barriers, recognizing. 17 veterans a day are still taking their lives. We've we, we got to have a better impact on that. This is an effort to address those veterans who have had an unsuccessful or, you know, discharge status from their military career, but they still have needs. And if it's a suicidal need, we're going to take care of them.
3: Well, I think it's, uh, it's been great to see over the years those barriers that you're removing, right? So Compact Act, um, adding the women's clinic, which you've already talked about, that's another barrier that's going to be removed so that our, our women veterans have a place to go on their own. Um, and so it's just, again, um, you know, great, great care that the Minneapolis VA healthcare system continues to, to provide. Um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about is this millionth. Veteran program. Um, what is it?
1: Yeah.
4: So we have a unique opportunity in the VA because of our patient population. So so we enroll veterans in this program to track them throughout their lifetime to to monitor um, behaviors and and disease states and outcomes. So it's it's really geared. The Million Veterans Program is a research program. I, I just got my annual exam. Just filled it out uh, last weekend extensively monitoring and tracking veterans' health status in, in order that we can turn that into clinical practice improvements. So there are a lot of diseases or injuries that are not unique to veterans but very prevalent with veterans. Traumatic brain injury, uh, post-traumatic stress, some, some of the uh, rehabilitative services that we offer to veterans. We do a lot of research in those areas in order that we can better care for the veterans who have those diseases or injuries related to their service that are pretty common with veterans. And so that's what the Million Veterans Program is all about. So, Doug,
0: I've done this, and all you do is go sign up, and then they anonymously share your medical records for this research, and they and they develop uh, patterns of things like Agent Orange and, and ALS, and ALS, all those things that, that we're talking about. So they don't give you a shot. All I got to do is go sign up. So you better <laughs> yeah. go down there and no, do it. No, I, I actually
3: think that when I saw my primary care doctor just a few months ago, that was one of the things I was asked about doing. And and I'm like, I've got nothing to hide. You know, if I can help someone else, why wouldn't right. I? Right. So yeah, track away. Yeah, know? it's
4: very, it's completely anonymous, but it, but it can help the next guy. So, yeah. So it's a good thing to do.
0: And you're developing information that will help the general public as True. well. True. With this cooperation of the veterans. Right. Well, you know, uh, director, um, it's
3: always great to have you on the show, and you know, we're now down to to less than a minute. And um, other other things that you just want to make sure our listening audience knows, coming from the VA director, looking the twenty twenty four, what they can expect.
1: Yeah,
4: you know, so I, I one sergeant major, I hope veterans know that um, regardless of your ability to pay or your ability to, maybe you have other health insurance, you can get your care somewhere else. We want to take care of veterans at our medical center. And I think veterans should know that they're going to get high quality care. We're going to do our best to remove any barriers to get that high quality care. And I always got to make a pitch for our county veteran service officers, because that's the good portal for them to get engaged in that health care. If they don't know what to do, they don't know how to do it. Uh, But, but, you know, we want to take care of veterans. And we, we think, because of the way that we can wrap our arms around veterans, we have all of our services, you know, internal to our hospital. Um, it's a good way to, to manage their health care is to get it all together, to get it at one place, and that can be the VA.
3: Well, it is quality care, and, uh, and I appreciate all that you do out there and all the support that uh, uh, the staff out there give to our veterans. So, Director, uh, thanks so much for joining us on Minnesota Military Radio.
0: Tom, another year in review. Another year in review. Director, thanks for joining us. I look forward to a great year in 2024 for the Minneapolis VA. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, and my co-host, Doug Wortham, Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Health System, Minnesota National Guard's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Makey, and Commissioner Brad Lindsay from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Please join us next week as we talk about the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Network and a specialist from the Minneapolis VA Medical Center. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week.
4: Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and
2: the latest updates, follow us at MinnesotaMilitaryRadio.com. Militaryradio.com.